Once again, heart racing, way out of my comfort zones here. A doctor pushes and pulls your body in all sorts of directions. Bend down, touch toes, balance, twist, reach, squat, waddle like a duck, and on it goes. Hearing test, eyes, then of course a breath test for alcohol, and we in a cup for a drug test. The nurse came in the toilet with me to make sure I didn't have someone else's urine sample. And are you serious? You want blood now? This is a shorter audio blog. I am Mad Mumsy, and for years now I've been asked the same questions. How does a little thing like you drive those big trucks? Oh, you must be rich. How do I get a job doing that? Not everyone is cut out to be a miner, but why not? What is it really like and what does it take to thrive and survive in this industry? Hello and welcome to the Beers with a Miner podcast. My name is Mad Mumsy. This is episode 57. I haven't been around as much lately. If you're just tuning in for the first time, thank you very much. It's great to have you on board listening. And if you're one of my old timers, you'd know that I've been a little bit missing in action lately. I'm sure you're hanging out for my next episode um, there's been a lot going on. I've had family move up here with me and, you know, sometimes we just have to focus on something other where our priorities kind of get moved around a little bit. I would like to say, of course, that you still are one of my priorities and please follow me on all of the social medias, mainly Facebook and Twitter, Mad Mumsy, M-U-M-Z-I-E, on everything. And um, if you are a Facebook hanger <laughs> uh we have a little Beers with a Minor podcast group where I share some behind-the-scenes pictures and latest things that are going on. So I just took a snapshot of where I am, actually, and I'll share that when I get back. But right now I'm outside at our local tennis club, because the highway is just way too noisy today. So it's a beautiful Queensland day with brightest blue sky. And it was freezing, though, this morning. It was 8 degrees. Right now there's a rooster going off in the background, which is great timing. And I decided to bring my little dog with me. So on cue, here she comes. Say hello, little dog. She's wagging her tail at you. And you may hear the pitter-patter of her paws on the concrete as she's walking around. Or is it cement? I don't know. The hard the hard bit, <laughs> not the powder. Okay, so this episode is going to be an audio blog, just me raving on. But it's actually me reading something that I recently discovered. My sister and I, hard hat mentor, Dione Drew, are going to be uh, doing a new collaboration coming up soon. And this was something that I found while I was researching something for that. And it's what I wrote years ago when I very first started mining. So I'm going to read it to you. And if you're a newbie, you might get a lot out of it or at least see where some of the things are that you're going to have to go through, but also some of the thoughts behind it. Um, I was coming out of a very long, well, 22-year relationship that ended suddenly, and this is 
how I fell into mining, really. So I put word to paper. This was before I was mad mumsy or anything. So um, I thought it might be worthwhile to share it with you. I've never shared it anywhere. I hope you enjoy it. And if you do know me, you might get a laugh out of it. Um, and those really close to me might bring back some memories and maybe well I was the one with the tears <laughs> but I have great friends that helped me through so to you I honour you and thank you anyway let's get on with it uh, I've just cracked a beer oh, I should have waited and cracked it before you got here but I'll make the noise and I have another one in my bag so by the end of this I'm sure you will hear another one now let's dig in. Get it? Dig mining. <laughs> oh, I crack me up. Do I crack you up too, little dog? Oh, yes, I do. <laughs> okay, let's do it. All right, let's start reading. <sighs> Better have a drink first. This brings back so many memories for me. Whoa. I reckon this must have been around 2003, 2002, 2003-ish, early 2000s anyway. I took my own advice. I got out. Mum and her husband Baz were living interstate working in the mining industry. Mum offered for me to go and stay with them. It would not cost me anything, but she did say they could not support my beer habit. <laughs> Hang on, I better have another drink. I forgot that bit. That's the first paragraph. <sighs> okay. So they said I could go and stay with them. It wouldn't cost me anything, but they couldn't support my beer habit. I thought that was a fair enough deal. Getting away was all I could think of to do at that time. I wonder where I got that idea. Mum has worked in the mines along with my sister for about 20 years or more, ever since she separated from my dad. However, they have never operated the trucks. Baz does drive trucks and loaders too. And now he's a trainer. Extraordinaire. Awesome. I digress. Stick to the script, mad mumsy. It just so happened that at that time, the mine where Baz was currently working was changing their roster and they were in the process of hiring a whole new crew, most of whom were greenskins, a person who has never driven trucks before. Baz suggested we go for a mine tour and have a look. I took my resume with me just in case. I knew the trucks were huge, and I didn't really think I could possibly be capable of operating something of such enormous proportions. Not only were these monsters 6.4 metres high, 7.5 metres wide and 12.5 metres long, they carried 240 tonne on their back, take 1,100 litres of fuel a minute and their left-hand drive. Are you serious? However, as the two-hour tour lesson progressed, I felt less and less intimidated. Yes, they were left-hand drive, but you give way to the left. At that particular mine, that was the basic traffic, traffic rule. This obviously was because you could see jack shit out the right side of the truck, which was a mile away. The driver's cab was about the same size as the front of a car. Not the same size as the width of the truck as I had imagined it to be. 
This now seems like a crazy concept, but that was the perception I had. We sat and watched as Baz explained to me the ins and outs of backing in, tipping and driving. Just like a big car. (laughs) Yeah, right. As luck would have it, one of the trucks was parked up. Sorry, I so want to pop in and say, well, there's always a truck parked up somewhere. (laughs) I didn't know that then. I thought I was lucky. After a quick chat with the operator, I jumped out of the troopie for what is now one of my favourite photos. I'm standing next to this monster. My head comes halfway up the wheel. It's massive. Who would have thought, a couple of years down the track, I can drive it like I stole it, and love doing it too. In fact, I'm an instructor now, sharing my knowledge with other greenskins. Amazing. I'd just like to pop in there and say that it was a 793. Uh, or they had 793s and 789s there, but I'm pretty sure that was a 793. So just a medium truck, really. I've certainly driven a lot bigger since then. The 930s and the 797s. Okay. Mum actually pointed out during our tour that it was all dirt, just like a big motocross track. Once I looked at it from that perspective, I started to get a bit more excited. Why, yes, of course. You see, I raced dirt bikes growing up. To this day, I still feel like I am in a race and try to get better on the track with each lap. Of course, as in racing, you have to follow the rules and do the best you can within those rules and look after your bike or your truck. Being a competitive person helps too. The track changes all the time. Water carts and rain add new challenges, as do rough stuff, soft spots, rocks on the track, clean-up machines, walls and floors that move, blast holes opening up, sun glare, darkness, bright lights dust and even wildlife (laughs) get the picture by the time we'd finished our mine tour i had i had decided i should give it a go at least put my resume in and see what happens plus i felt the need to do something brave when i handed in my resume they wrote across the top baz's daughter they were losing a lot of people at that time and i guess they saw it as a way to keep him by hiring me A few days later, I had been invited to attend an interview. My God, I had not been for an interview since I was 17. I was now 39, 40, I'm pretty sure, when this happened. I was so nervous. What do you wear for an interview to drive a truck in a mine? Okay, I have to pop it back. (laughs) Ah, where's my dog? Come here. If you're not sure of the answer to that... Head to mining.teachable.com and sign up for my free pounce course. And in there, you'll learn all about all the little things like that. What do you wear for an interview to drive a truck into mine? What else do you take to that interview? But I digress. The interview process was like nothing I had experienced before. They wanted examples of how I have followed procedure, dealt with a different workmate and bosses, Oh, dealt with a difficult workmate and bosses. How have I dealt with authority and what have I changed in my workplace as a result of this? What machinery had I operated? How do I deal with lots of men? How do we know you won't go back to your family? 
One thing they did not ask me, however, was how well I deal with the freezing cold weather. Because I only lasted nine months because it used to snow there and I had to come back to Queensland. <laughs> I'll have a drink. It's good to look back sometimes, isn't it? To see how far we've come or the things we've overcome, I should say. So back to it. Somehow I managed to baffle my way through <laughs> using examples from my various skill bases like dealing with disgruntled customers in a pet shop, talking someone into sponsoring one of our fundraisers, standing in front of a crowd on a microphone and driving my seafood truck. What a great skill base to work in a mine. My heart was pumping a hundred miles an hour. I did make a bit of an impression. They seemed to be laughing a fair bit, but I'm not sure if they were laughing with me or at me. We were camping, freezing cold, near Canberra, I believe. We were camping when the phone call came for me to go for a medical. A medical? God, another first. Mum and Baz said I must have the job to be sent for the medical as they are quite an outlay for the company. Once again, heart racing, way out of my comfort zones here. A doctor pushes and pulls your body in all sorts of directions. Bend down, touch toes, balance, twist, reach, squat, waddle like a duck, and on it goes. Hearing test, eyes, then of course a breath test for alcohol, and we in a cup for a drug test. The nurse came in the toilet with me to make sure I didn't have someone else's urine sample. And are you serious? You want blood now? Oh dear. I don't think I've had to give blood since then for a, for a medical. I don't know. Can you hear the roosters? Or their chickens. They must have all laid eggs. Anyway, it's the ambience of the country. <laughs> Shut up, girls. I decided that if I was really going to drive these monster trucks, which seemed a certainty now that I had an official start date, I needed a plan. So I made a list. That's me, a real listhead. From my old secretarial days, I think, and my mum. It has been passed down the generations to my girls too. We're always buying new little notepads for each other. My first goal... Hang on, I'm going to put my glasses on. That'll help. Oh, look at that. Right, I'll have another drink. My first goal was to reverse the car down our skinny driveway using only the side mirrors. You see, that is another thing. There is no rear-view mirror in the trucks. Of course, that is because there's a big tray behind you. I started to get the hang of it, slowly. When I learnt how much I was going to be paid, I could not believe how anyone could spend so much money. As it turns out, though, it is true what they say, and you soon live up to that level and look for more. It was also good healing for me, spending cash... Buying clothes, shoes, CDs, going on holidays, hiring flash cars, staying in nice places, getting my hair and nails done, massages. I believe they call it retail therapy. This was something I had not experienced before, and I liked it. Just on that, how could anyone uh, earn so much, spend so much money, my first package was $62,500 a year, including super. 
um, which when I came to Queensland was no way. Like uh, There was heaps more up here. So, yes. They had early opener at the local pub and nice breakfast for the shift workers. After our last night shift, a few of us would go and eventually leave. Walking home past all the shops after quite a few beers got the best of me sometimes and I would usually come home with a new pair of designer jeans or two. (laughs) Mum used to say, oh, what have you bought now? (laughs) A good mate from my past life asked me in those early days if I was stacking the money away, as most people in mining are trying to do. He was soon told in no uncertain terms that that was not why I was there. I was there to stay alive and enjoying my retail therapy. I mean, healing. (laughs) My first official day at work was for an induction. All mines have these and before you can go on site must be completed. We filed into a big room and sat around a U-shaped table. There must have been over 50 people in there. Various bosses from different departments from the mine spoke all morning outlining outlining relevant aspects of the mining operation. To me, it was fascinating. Others, however, looked very bored. (laughs) I've now been to a few inductions and also find most of it boring. It's so repetitive. I scanned the room, lots of men and a handful of women. How many of the women will be starting with me, I wondered. Perhaps we could be friends. I needed a girlfriend. At lunchtime, the trainer asked the new trainee truck drivers to stay in the room. To my horror, all the women got up and walked out. There were 16 of us left, and I was the only girl. Bring it on, boys. We completed our induction, and from then on, it was us 16, the new team. We also received our clothing issue. That night, when I got home, Mum took a photo of me with my hard hat, safety glasses and orange vest on, along with my black winter pyjamas that had coffee cups all over them. Oh, I only just recently threw those out. I sent the photo to a few close friends. One of them loved the uniform. I had to explain they were actually my pyjamas. In the first few days, we were told what to expect from our training and watched lots of training videos. When it came time to talk about what we had done in the past, I was horrified. Not only did we have to say it in front of 15 others, three trainers and one of the big bosses, but I seemed to be totally lacking absolutely any skills relevant to driving a truck. Some of the others had been driving in mines already, definitely not greenskins. Others had driven smaller trucks in construction or on farms, Me, well, uh, I had worked as a secretary, factory worker, pet shop and seafood retailer, promotions, business, and I've made jewellery. However, I had not bothered to put on my resume that I also at one stage had sold lingerie and adult novelties by party plan. I had no intention of telling them that, but it just came out. I told a few stories and we all had a laugh and carried on. Talk about an icebreaker. (laughs) I should have known then I was going to be a bit different. Our trainers were excellent. Men dedicated to their work and obviously with lots of experience and passion to help us become the best operators we could, whilst having some fun in our learning process. I've always remembered something one of them said to us. You have a choice to make, and I suggest that you decide to make it today. 
You can choose between being a steering wheel attendant or a professional operator. At first, this was lost on me. However, I now know exactly what he means. This is one of the initial statements I make to any new truck driver who happens to come for a spin in a truck with me in their training. I've certainly come across many steering wheel attendants in my day. They just drive and are usually wishing they were somewhere else, like in a dozer or digger or on break, fishing. They stare aimlessly into space or have their nose stuck in some mindless gossip or girly magazine. The mining world goes on around them and they are oblivious to what is unfolding, only focusing on the two-way radio when they hear their name or truck number called. Usually it takes a few attempts to get their attention. Then, when they answer, they don't hold the button on the two-way handpiece in long enough so you can understand what they said. They park up early and constantly finding fault with their machine, flogging the guts out of their truck, not reporting alerts that come up to the workshop or taking heed to what such an alert actually means. Like, slow down, you're overheating the brakes. We have to do a walk-around inspection of our machines to look for anything untoward. The steering wheel attendant will look at it and say, it's got four wheels, let's go. I've heard a couple of fellas say, uh, well, the funny thing is, they actually have six wheels. <laughs> oh, time for a drink. As I am doing my walk around, I always put one hand on one of the tyres and say to my truck, you look after me and I'll look after you. After having a break for lunch, crib time, whilst walking around my truck, I say, I am now reactivating our force field that keeps us safe from everyone and everything and every... Oh, hang on, I'll read that again. I forgot I used to say this. For some reason I stopped saying it. Complacency, probably. I am now reactivating our force field that keeps us safe from everyone and everything and everything and everyone safe from us. <laughs> it may be superstitious, but it's worked for me this far. I worked with one guy. We swore carried it around a toolbox to undo or cut things when they did not naturally break down. He put six trucks down in one shift. Of course, the workshop guys loved him, not. <laughs> I've certainly met a lot more than one of those nowadays. These steering wheel attendants also tip short at the dump, back in under the diggers or shovel erratically, fall asleep on night shift in their machine, don't call up for rocks on the hall road or to acknowledge someone coming onto your circuit, always leaving it to the same few people. Sometimes I get mad at this if I have working with me on my circuit people who will not acknowledge at all or randomly. It ends up I'm the only one answering all bloody day. This is a procedure that must be followed and the whole mind can hear it or not hear it depending on the case. I get the shits occasionally and will leave it a long time. Then eventually say for example, rattle or copy that light vehicle on O3 circuit. When I'm on the water cart, it's me waiting for the acknowledgement. It gets noticed who does and does not answer. So, adding my two bobs worth in here, just share it around. Jeez, you know. Recently, this issue came, out, came up at our pre-start meeting with my crew. For the first time ever, I dropped the F word in the meeting, telling them I sit in my truck sometimes and say... No, you can get fucked. I'm not going to answer this time. 
I got quite a good response, actually, with one wag saying, Tell us what you really think, Leanne. Tell us what you really think, Mad Mumsy. <laughs> they just drive, attend the wheel, steering wheel attendant, annoy me to the core. The professional operator, however, is the opposite of this. They're on the ball, know what's going on. They'll call to get the circuit graded instead of just crashing through it all day, complaining away to themselves and getting a sore back and neck. If the dozer operator tells all his truckies to go back to the start of the dump, they heard, acknowledged and remembered. When the digger driver tells what sort of material they are hauling, they know where to take it or they'll call up and ask if they're not sure. They operate their machine in the correct manner for optimum efficiency and performance without flogging the crap out of it. The professional operator is prepared, on time, presentable and fit for work. The steering wheel attendant left their safety glasses home, has very creased clothing and is tired with no sleep and a slight hangover. (laughs) Of course, I may be exaggerating. Oh, do you think? I may be exaggerating a little as there are varying degrees at both ends of the scale and I'm rolling a lot of people into either category. It can also depend on what's going on in your life, your mood and your levels of fatigue, health, things like that. That day in training, however, I made a conscious decision to try and be a professional operator whenever possible. Like the saying goes, if you're going to do something, you might as well do it right and keep trying to improve and learn. Never stop learning. In our training, we were continuously being bombarded with photos and stories of accidents when things have gone horribly wrong. I understand now it was to make us become extremely aware of safety and the consequences that can and sadly do, happen when procedures and common sense go out the window. Now for a word from our sponsor, Julia Hartman and the Bantax Accounting Group. Julia's my awesome accountant. She's written two books with financial expert Noel Whitaker, and she's got a passion to help us miners make the most out of our hard-earned cash. She's got heaps of tips and make sure that we get every cent we are meant to get and is right on the ball with everything. If you head to bantax.com.au forward slash miners, that's B-A-N-T-A-C-S, you can download a free booklet all just for us miners. And there's also a spreadsheet in there that helps you check off what tools you have for your trade, like your isolation lock, work boots, seven shirts, all of these sorts of things, and you can weigh them up and it'll tell you if you qualify weight-wise to claim your trips out to work. And that's just one of the things that they've got over there. So I strongly urge you to head to bantax.com.au forward slash miners and see what they can do and find your nearest office as we come up to tax time they're really on the ball know what's going on with the tax department and there's heaps of other free information like property investing if you really plan on doing some great things with your money you want to do that right if you want to sell your house can save a lot of money if you find out what to do first rather than in hindsight and julia she'll you know make sure you get it right and if you do it wrong and then go and see her, she'll she'll up you (laughs) in the nicest possible way because she really cares about us and wants us to keep our money and not give it to the tax department. 
Anyway, head over to bantax.com.au forward slash miners and tell them Mad Mumsy sent you. Still to this day, it continues. Most courses or talks are broken up with delightfully funny pictures of clowns doing crazy things where we all laugh, mixed amongst serious photos where a death has actually been the result. This, unfortunately for my brain, in the broken state it was in back then, was just a bit too much at times. I started to dream of trucks and accidents, especially once I was actually driving myself. It felt as though I'd been in the nightmare pit all night. Then the alarm would go off at some ungodly hour and I'd have to go back there again, but for real this time. Training for me was taking place when I was in the worst possible emotional state. In one way it was good to take my mind off everything, but in another I was consumed by it all and it just added more stress to my life. Yes, I was starting again and earning good money, going on holidays and engaging in the sport of retail therapy, but I'd left my old life so quickly. My heart felt like it had been ripped out of my chest, thrown on the ground and jumped on. I had a deep down sadness and hurt too at having to leave my kids and my precious little grandson. Thoughts would come to me at the strangest time. I remember I did not like to wash the dishes alone, needing someone to dry them and be with me and chat. Swishing around in the warm water seemed to evoke a place deep down that would make things click. There were major aha moments and they were not very pleasant. Helping me through this time were many things I had to call upon. Probably the initial healing began with my mum's two poodles. They were not cool dogs like we'd have, like a Rottweiler, Staffy or Blue Heeler. However, they were part of the family and loved me, and I swear they knew I was broken and wanted to help. I guess crying all the time is a dead giveaway. When we went away camping, we had the back seat, me, Rosie and her mum, Jasmine. For hours I had them next to me and on my lap patting them and staring out at the countryside. It was calming and a way to relieve something. Experts say pets can help in times of grieving and sickness. I certainly would agree. And now I've got my little dog, and she helps me now. Hello, little dog. Kisses? (laughs) Time for a drink. Of course, Mum and Baz were terrific. I honestly don't know how I would have managed without them coming to my rescue. Not only did they give me a roof over my head and the opportunity to be involved in the mining industry, they were very supportive of me and my moods. I went from going out partying and Mum calling me a wayward teenager, (laughs) forgot about that, to collapsing into their arms and crying like a baby. They were always there with lots of hugs and loving words or holding me until I fell asleep or talking things through if that's what I wanted. A very special place in my mended heart is reserved for them. The kids were great too. I think they were more worried about me than anything else. Of course, they were very upset our little family had broken up. I'm sure their hearts were breaking as much as mine and maybe... Just maybe their dad's heart too. 
They both chose to stay there in the life they knew, their comfort zone with friends around them. My youngest daughter thought about joining me a few times, but she didn't like where I was living, and I'm sure she was enjoying her newfound freedom without mum there holding the reins. Typical, I would think, of a 15-year-old, right? I also was not sure if I was going to stay put for very long. And it was freezing. Colder than Canberra. My eldest daughter moved straight back into our home with her little boy when she found out what was going on. (laughs) I believe her words were, I don't want that skank moving into our house using all our stuff. Only thing was she moved straight into our bedroom, which did not impress her dad. Of course, I thought it was hilarious. You go, girls. In case you didn't know, he'd had an affair, so that's why I split the scene, baby. She was a go-between for me, helping to sort out our finances and to change accounts over. Most bills were in my name, including his bloody mobile phone. That had to change real fast. Although it was a very hard place for her to be in the middle, was an absolute lifesaver as I did not want to talk to him. After 22 years, there's a lot to sort out. Just the house to go and then we finally have closure. Famous last words, four and a half years and that's still not closed. I think it took about, I don't know, eight years maybe? But we finally sold the house and that was that. When the kids flew down to visit me, it was really great to see them and give them lots of hugs. But a piece of my heart broke a bit more each time I had to say goodbye to my babies. It still does to this day as I am working and living away from them, but try to visit when I can. And, da-da, newsflash, everyone's up here now with me, yay! Except my sister and, you know, my dad, and but my daughters and my grandsons, which is great. My sister, my dad, my ex-mother-in-law, my girlfriends, my email buddy, (laughs) makeovers and waxing, getting my nails and hair done. Um, So much support in those early days. But I'm digressing a bit away from mining right now because this was a bit of a... um, I don't know, a way to heal back in the day. I need a drink. But I've chosen to um, share it with you. Get to know Mad Mumsy a little bit better. Why not? And it'll be good for our upcoming project with a hard hat mentor. Anyway, we do get back to mining, I promise. So hang in there, you blokes. After this paragraph. (laughs) Music was a very important part of my healing process also. Initially, I couldn't listen to any songs. Choosing instead talkback shows on the radio. I recall complaining to mum, it's not fair, they even play sad songs on the ABC. We carpooled out to work and without fail a song would come on. And I'd be in the car with four blokes trying not to let my eyes leak. But I was not very good at it. There were a lot of songs and artists that I just could not listen to. Then one day I realised I was letting him have power over me even now by taking my favourite music away from me too. I decided to regain that power and started to rebuild my music collection and enjoying once again the songs from our era. 
In those first few emergency months, the songs that helped me get through it... <laughs> Are you ready for this, guys? <laughs> the songs that... This will tell you what the year was. The songs that helped me get through it were Guy Sebastian's My Beautiful Friend and Angels Brought Me Here, Shannon Knoll, Learn to Fly, Maroon 5, Harder to Breathe, Christina Aguilera, Fight R, Anastasia, Sick and Tired, Matchbox 20, Disease. They helped me to either wallow in my pain, believe the future was going to improve, or get angry and stronger. Anastasia was touring Australia, and one day I saw her interviewed on telly. She was talking about her fight to overcome breast cancer. She has a range of T-shirts called Survivor Chick. I love her music and to listen to her talk about how she overcame adversity and was helping other women to believe and be aware and promote regular breast screening was very inspiring to me at the time. Okay, I have not had breast cancer, luckily, but I still feel like she was talking to me too. Be brave, survive. I was a survivor chick. That's what I did. I survived. Hence the name of this book, which this is an excerpt out of. You know, we've all got a book in us, right? Um, I'll call it this podcast, Survivor Chick. I also got a tattoo saying Survivor Chick 04, the year that it happened, and I was turning 40. And I got it on the back of my neck, and... If you've ever had a tattoo on the back of your neck, all your nerves are there. And my leg kept flying out. <laughs> I forgot about that. Have a drink. So I had my family, friends and music to help me heal. But I also had some very important souls helping me out too. They still are to this day. I call them my angels, Nana and Graham. My Nana, my mum's mum, was always there when we were growing up. She came to our netball and softball games and was always at motorbikes, snapping away, taking heaps of photos of us. I'm so glad she got to see her great-grandchildren before finally passing away with leukaemia. I still miss her to this day. However, I do talk to her all the time, believe she's watching out for us all. Graham was like my brother I never had growing up. I know it's cliché, but he was. In our teenage years, our most influential, influential time, really, he was there. He hated me at one stage for taking his best friend away from him. <laughs> that happened to you. But this is a common occurrence I've since learnt when adolescence kicks in and we start to get serious about our girlfriends and boyfriends. He soon found his own lady and was the first of all of us to get married. We stayed in touch after leaving our home state and he was a favourite uncle to the girls. He was killed, tragically, murdered actually. And I've always believed he's up there with my nana, hanging out, watching what we're all up to and doing what he can to help. He was a strong, take-no-shit sort of fella and I use him whenever I need to toughen up and deal with certain situations. Back to mining, fellas. One day at work, I was having trouble figuring out how to back into the back in under the excavator and digger. This was a new mind for me, and I was still learning how these creatures with the big hand worked. Up until then, I'd only ever worked under a shovel, hydraulic shovel. I was getting quite upset with myself. Got mad for letting my emotions come out in my truck, as it had been a while since that had happened. 
So I took out my picture of Graham and placed it up on the dash. I explained to him that we were going to learn this together, today. I was talking away, explaining to him how to drive these trucks. It totally changed my attitude, and I found I was laughing at myself instead. I became more relaxed and learnt that teaching another person, even if they're only there in spirit, helped it all to sink in. And from that day on, I felt like I got it. I'm always still learning and trying to improve to this day, but that was a big turning point. That and going out with a Kiwi digger driver who was giving me free daily lessons on the art of diggers. He was on our crew and for a long time I was working under him. In the trucks under him, you know what I mean. Oh, (laughs) I even wrote that. In my truck, I mean. I see, I knew how that sounded. So at night or morning, depending on our shift, we would have a beer and he would explain, usually with a few drawings, why he did what and how I could improve. He did freak me out a few times when I thought I'd had a great day and was going to be praised for my improvement, only for him to say I did some wild driving. What was going on there? Oh, dear. But in the end, he said I was his best truckie. Bit biased? Yes, I'm sure, but it made me feel hoops better and to just enjoy my driving. However, in the end, I'll just add this bit in. He turned out just to be a bit mean. Always ended up making me cry, so I had to leave. Twice. Ah, <laughs> oh, these things all make us stronger, don't they? And all you angry men out there, go and see someone and find out why. Don't even get me started on that. All right. Where I stayed initially with Mum and Baz was under a major crossover point for interstate jet planes. There were some amazing trails left behind in the sky, and I chose to see each one as an angel letting me know they were there with me and that I would be okay. Many times there's a whole team up there cheering me on. I still do that when I see them, these hello angels. My other friend in the sky is the configuration of stars commonly known as the saucepan. Years ago, we were travelling interstate in the car, and the kids had flown ahead. Lying beneath the beautiful summer sky, I realised that the bottom of the saucepan had three stars. It was my kids and their dad, and we could all look into the saucepan and feel connected no matter where we were. The bottom three stars also represent my mum, dad, and my sister. I've chosen to place many people to represent a star of the saucepan at different times, sort of like a big lighthouse of communication. People both here on earth or passed over. Regularly on night shift, the saucepan will just all of a sudden appear in the sky. The best, most powerful is when it's sitting right at the top of the ramp, almost feeling as if you're driving into it. Oh, God, I love that. I'm a great believer in the universe and all things spiritual rather than religion. I'm still open to many beliefs, but I guess my God is the universe, and I believe it helps, along with my own decisions and, of course, my angels, to decide the direction of my life. People call it many things. My dad calls it the vortex. I call it the vortex now, too, because I listen to Abraham Hicks. Google it. Many people, of course, have their God, whatever your God is. I've spoken about this before, I think, but whatever gets you through, call it whatever you want. As long as it helps you make you feel better and feel that you can handle anything. Okay, back to it. 
I went to a psychic about 20 years ago who saw me clearly in an environment where everything was big, huge. Of course, the optimistic Sagittarian in me thought I was on a winner with the health drink I was trying to sell via network marketing. He was shaking his head saying, no, I don't think so. I now believe that way back then he saw me working in the mines driving these huge trucks. It was my destiny even 20 years ago. I have a saying when things change for me. It's usually reserved for when a dramatic shift occurs. It's just the universe doing its shit again. What are you guys planning for me now? It knows the path I'm meant to be on and occasionally has to shove me back into it. (laughs) Sometimes too dramatically for my liking. I have caught myself saying this to other people when things happen to them too. Not sure if they get it or just think I'm a crazy lady. A good example of this was when I really wanted to be on a particular crew when I first started at a new mine because I was going to share travel with someone I already knew. I was placed onto another crew, totally opposite. Bloody lovely, thanks for that. After a while, I started to settle into that crew and thought it wasn't such a bad thing after all. Then, out of the blue, I was shifted, shafted. (laughs) That's right. Then, out of the blue, I was shafted big time, and because I was last one on, I became first to go and was moved to yet another crew. And for any newbies out there, this can happen quite a lot. So, yeah, just know that your comfort zone can be picked up and thrown somewhere else with all new digger drivers and dozers and bosses. and Or they'll just change the bosses. That's always fun. <sighs> At first, I was very upset and cried all the way home like a spoiled little brat. <laughs> That's true, I did. However, by the time I got there, I had calmed down and thought, of course, the universe knows better than me and had its reasons. On arriving home, I rang my boss to apologise, and you guessed it, I blurted out, it's just the universe doing its shit. Turns out I was correct, and I love my new crew. It is definitely the pick of all four. My previous crew got a new boss who was very mean, and that would not have been good for me at all. Also, as an added bonus, I fell in love with that digger driver I spoke of earlier. He taught me so much about life as well as driving trucks and to focus on my goals in life, not just the retail therapy way of living. (laughs) I knuckled down and saved a deposit for a house and bought my castle. His philosophy was that every man woman needs their own castle. It also felt good to be supported by a strong man again. We were together for two and a half years and mm, I don't know if that statement still holds true. But yes, we were together for a couple of years. And uh, now, of course, uh, you know, I did have a break. But now, of course, I've got my real minor and we've been together for many, many, many years. Who is absolutely perfect. And I love him to death. And he never listens, so it's okay. (laughs) Right. So there you have it. That was chapter one of my elusive book. I think I only wrote one chapter and then I started the podcast a few years after that. Anyway, I'd rather talk. (laughs) So here's cheers to you. And are you ready? Best sound in the world. There's a train going past in the background. I'll finish up now.
Mm. Thank you so much for listening. Head to madmumsy.com forward slash beers 57, the number 57 for the show notes. I put a couple of pictures up there. The one of me in my pyjamas and my vest and my hard hat. (laughs) And um, I do have a few interview episodes coming up that I will look forward to share with you. Please subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. And of course, share with your mates. Until next time, stay safe, be real, be special. Ah, Been a while since I've said that. Get it right, Mad Mumsy. All right, better have another drink. Until next time, stay safe, be real, be special and have fun. For we only live once. Cheers. And stay warm. Oh my God, it was bloody freezing last night. Freaking eight degrees. It's Queensland. Okay, cheers. Talk to you next time.